0: Well, it's good to uh, be back with you again, and uh, I would invite your attention to Psalm 42. Uh, I don't know if you realize this as much as I do as you read through the Psalms, that uh, there's a tremendous amount of emotional vacillation Um, as you read particular psalms. And by that I mean, you'll see the psalmist who is crying out to the Lord, he's desperate, and then the Lord breaks through. And then you see him crying out again in desperation, and the Lord breaks through. It's like whiplash, or a pendulum swing. And reminds us that on any given day in the Christian life, um, we are either a saint, a sinner, or a sufferer. By the way, that's the title of a new book that's been written by uh, Michael Emlett. Uh, a saint, a sinner, or a sufferer. So it's, it's the whiplash or the pendulum swinging as we read through the Psalms. And we see that particularly uh, this morning in Psalm 42. Uh, commentators have some different opinions about who wrote this psalm. Uh, it does have a heading uh, about the sons of Korah. Other commentators think it, it may be David when he was uh, fleeing from Saul. Uh, others even think that it that could have been written during the Babylonian captivity. But nevertheless, you will relate to it. Uh, we all can relate to this um, because it is a condition or a part of, of our lives. So let's look at this psalm. Psalm 42, and this is the reading of God's Word. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night. And while they say to me continually, Where is your God? These things I remember, as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God, with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your ways have gone over me. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As with deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me continually, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And Why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Let's pray. Father, we do pray that you will take these words, this psalm, and Make application of it to our hearts, that it will reach our hearts, not just our minds, but you will grab us through this word. And Father, we pray for all who listen, that if they, if there's some who don't know you, who don't understand what it means to be so thirsty for you, that you would grant them that thirst, but also that you would... Grant them that living water that they would know and taste and see, again, that the Lord is so good. So we ask your blessing on the preaching of your word, in Christ's name. Amen. All of us have experienced the whiplash, the pendulum swing of what this psalm is is saying. And if there's any common word that we could use that uh, sort of gives some definition to this, it's the word depression. Now, my point here this morning is not to, to, to do a, a lecture on the whole issue of depression, even though I want to acknowledge it and uh, I want to say just a little bit about it. Because I think it helps us to understand and comprehend what uh, the psalmist is, is writing here. There are really sort of three forms or types of depression. And all of us has ex- have experienced one of them, maybe all of them. But the first is, is very likely, and, and that is just the idea of feeling down. We talk about being sad or being blue or or, or just down, and, and not, not feeling up, but, but feeling down. And it's a, kind of a overwhelming thoughts and, and sadness um, that we experience. More serious is what we refer to as a chemical depression, where something actually can be wrong in our bodies and, and uh, in our brain and, and the chemicals that are so necessary for how we function normally. And lots of causes for that, but uh, folks do experience that and have seasons of that. And then even more serious than being down or a chemical issue is what we would call clinical uh, depression, which pretty much can make someone catatonic or paralyze someone to the point where they can't. Get out of bed they they can't focus, they can't work uh, they can't sleep, they can't eat uh, horrible horrible darkness that uh, that they fall into now we don't know exactly where this psalmist was, but we know that the person who wrote this is struggling and Sometimes we want to say, well, if if we're feeling down, or if there is a chemical issue, or if there's even more severe clinical issue, uh, is it my fault? What what have I done to contribute to this? Now, in this psalm particularly, we, we can't find anything where the psalmist is repenting about anything. It's not like David, after his sin with Bathsheba, in Psalm 51, just totally breaks forth in, 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 in repentance and acknowledges his sin. Uh, but this, is, this doesn't seem to be anything here like that uh, that uh, the writer is, is, is talking about. It's, it's a condition that's sort of fallen upon him. And again, we say, well, okay, but what's the reason? Because we always like to know, okay, what, what have I done? Am I at fault here? I think there are three perspectives to look at one is, there is a spiritual or physical weakness uh, that might contribute to where we are feeling down. In other words, we could be spiritually dry, uh, not as spiritually focused, or we could be sick, physically ill, that would have an impact on us. And then I would need to mention, secondly, another perspective is willful sin. That we have, are willfully in a lifestyle or willfully doing something uh, that is uh, contrary to God's law. It's a transgression um, of His will and His truth, uh, which we will suffer the consequences for that and have to deal with those consequences. Thirdly, again, not so much our fault, but a situation where we can be a victim of someone else's sin or Uh, we've experienced great loss, grieving, losing somebody very close to us, losing a parent, a child, wife, husband, good friend, a loss, or some type of suffering that creates a very difficult situation for us. So those those are like perspectives and then there are holistic treatments that um, someone will, will go to, to find relief from depression. Uh, spiritually, if the issues are a spiritual weakness, we, we even see in this psalm what to do. Uh, some people seek counseling or therapy, more of the psychosocial aspect of looking at depression. Uh, then some people need medicine sometimes, and so there's always the biological aspect. Okay, that's, that's about as far as, as I'm going to go in the depth I'm going to go into this whole issue of, of depression. There are lots of reasons in this world, particularly right now in this time, to be discouraged, but there are stronger reasons to be encouraged. And that's what I want you to see from, uh, from, from the scripture here. You, would, you could read this and, and you would say, well, this is, this is just not the most encouraging thing I can read because of the whiplash, because of the pendulum swing, up and down, back and forth. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling bad. I'm really happy. I'm really sad. So what is, is, is this normal? And I would say this psalm helps us to normalize the kind of things we actually go through. And I want to remind you it's in the Bible. So the very fact that it's in the Bible uh, helps us to come to grips with some of the normal aspects of the Christian life. Not to be shocked by it. So first of all, what about depressive situations. What are the depressive situations? And in this text, look at three questions that continue to come up in Psalm 42 and Psalm 43 because, uh, again, many commentators think these psalms go together. Look at the questions. Where is your God? Verse 3 and verse 10. Something in life has happened to me and I can ask the question or somebody can around me who wants to mock me or taunt me as in this text will say, oh, okay, where is your God? Second one is, why is my soul cast down? Contemporary language, why am I depressed? Verse 6, verse 5, verse 11. And then one that's common in verse 9. Why have you forgotten me? Have you ever asked that question? Why, Why God have you forgotten me? And that's certainly a question all through the Psalms. That's part of the whiplash. That's part of the pendulum swing. Now, there are metaphors, figures of speech, in this psalm that we need to draw our attention to, which expresses some of the depressive situations we find ourselves in. One is verse 1. As the deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my heart for you, O God. The panning of my soul like a thirsty deer Now, this this is not like a sweet picture of a deer just kind of hopping along looking for a drink of water. This is a panting deer. This is a dying animal that has to have water or it's going to die. And this is looking at your soul So pants my soul for you, O God. And and you sing through that scripture song that we were singing earlier. and, and, And you see that this is what the writer wants. It's what he's panting for. But does God have that place of honor? Does God have that place in your heart? Is your desire so much like this metaphor, like this, this, this panting deer, this thirsty deer, and when we reflect on that and say, "Well, it's not," <laughs> I, I, I don't think that's my greatest desire. I don't think that's what I'm really aiming for. What's, what's, what's going on? And that's, that's what's, that's the, the temperature of this particular psalm. Another metaphor is the fact that. Tears have been my food. In other words, I have been crying so much and so long that the tears are running down my face into my mouth and the tears have become my food. I can't sleep. I can't eat. All I do is cry. Or another metaphor, God is my rock. Now, that one is more positive in the sense that in these depressive situations, uh, that's where my mind needs to go. In verse 9, I say to God, my rock, but what does he say? Why have you forgotten me? Again, you see the whiplash. You see the swing of what this psalmist what this writer is experiencing. So what is this downcast situation? What, what is this depressive situation? What, what is it saying to my heart? Now, I've listed ten things. And these, these are not going to be like five minutes on each thing. <laughs> I've listed ten things and you could probably list another 10 and i could probably list another 10 we could go on and on but but here is what depression is saying to my heart it's saying i'm afraid there's fear or it's saying i'm guilty i i've done something or it's saying i'm angry struggling with anger in relationships. Or it says, I'm alone. I'm so lonely. Don't have anybody. I'll never get married. Or I'm tired. I'm tired of this pandemic. Tired of working from home. I'm tired of looking for a job. I'm I'm physically I'm worn out. I'm tired. My mind is tired. My body is tired. Or I've been rejected. Rejected in a relationship. Rejected trying to find a job. I've experienced ultimate rejection or I can't stop. It's like I have this addiction to something. As much as I try it's either I can't stop or I can't get started. Or Depression is saying to my heart, I'm lost. Don't have a clue what I want to do. Don't know where I'm going. I feel so lost in this world. Or depression is saying to my heart, I can't fix it. I can't control it can't get my 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 hands around it can't get my head around it i can't i can't fix this and i usually can fix things i can't do this or i think this is number 10 i need refuge i feel like there are people after me situations after me and i need rest i need peace i need i need refuge all right that that's the idea and honestly isn't it true that that's like that's our life we we live through these things we have we have these moments we have these questions we have these things happening to us that we indeed experience So you have the questions here, you have the metaphors, you have what depression is saying to my heart. You have memories, verse 4. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. How I would go with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. And this may be a worship person here. This may be the sons of Korah who were the music folks. But anyway, I, I, have, I have this memory of how things used to be. And somewhere along the line, I've lost that. Think about the highlights of your Christian life. For a lot of people, that's college years. And like, you got into a college ministry, you got into a Bible study, you got Friends together, and you studied the Bible, and you talked about theology, and you remember those days. And it was like, you know, I was reading my Bible, uh, I was studying the Bible. I, I grew. I was going to a great church, and you you have all those kind of memories, or memories of a child growing up in a in a Christian home, or a memory of a of a conversion when you didn't have the privilege of being in a Christian home, and and God save you and and brought you into another fa- a spiritual family and adopted you, and you uh, became a Christian. You have you have those memories. And here, he's thinking about how what he used to do, but there's been a disruption in his community. A disruption in what he's been accustomed. Uh, he's feeling isolated. Matter of fact. Uh, the scripture talks here about the fact that he's in another location. He's not in Jerusalem, he's not in the south. He, he in in southern part the kingdom. He's in the northern part. And how how he got up there or what what he's doing up there we 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 don't know. But anyway, it would be like saying we're away from our church. Uh we're away from our home. Um I am isolated uh, i 'm homesick. It's what happens sometimes with memories it's like, oh, remember how it used to be but i 'm I'm, I'm homesick for that I'm, I'm homesick for that location i 'm homesick for that church'm I'm, I'm homesick for those those friends and and those memories uh just begin to to, to move for us move through us he says, My soul is is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon and from Mount Mazar." Not, not Jerusalem, I, I'm away somewhere else. And I am homesick. Well, all of these things, the questions, the metaphors, what my heart is saying about depression, the memories, these are the effects of suffering, of sadness, and you see it all here in this text. It can be physical, like I'm crying and not eating and not sleeping, and got myself my my body all messed up. Emotionally, I am in despair, basket case. Spiritually. I'm, I'm, I'm remembering how things used to be, and I'm thirsting. My heart is actually panting, but I can't find any water. Okay, that's the depressive situations. Now, secondly, what about the depressive remedies? And that's where we see the good news of this passage as well. As I said earlier, there are lots of reasons for us to be discouraged, but greater reasons for us to be encouraged that what is a description of so much of our normal life as a Christian, the whiplash, the up and down. This is in the Bible but there are some good words. The psalmist says in verse 4, he says, These things I remember as I pour out my soul. And so we pray. And we pray like we've never prayed before. And just... Everything within us comes out, and we can be honest with God, and we can ask these questions. Where are you? Why am I downcast? God, why have you forsaken me? And in our honesty, we just pour out emotionally all that is built up within us and all that is there. And and so this psalm gives us a pattern for that. Sometimes you hear people say, well, you know, you don't question the Lord. You don't ask these hard questions. Of course you do. This is all in us. And he says to pour it out. Open ourselves up to him and express what we're feeling. And there's a way to have our thirst quenched. And so where are you looking for water? Running around like a panting deer, but where are you looking for water? Jeremiah talks about this. Jeremiah, I think it's chapter 2. Like, uh, you have forsaken the living water and you've sort of built your own cisterns. You've forsaken the living water. It doesn't take long for us in these depressive moments to understand that a real remedy is, is that we go to Jesus, who is the water of life, who, who is the living water. And the suffering or the emotional despair Or the spiritual thirstiness is indeed an issue of of the heat of life. Or the dryness of life. And so we have we have all these things coming at us from all different directions. And we get thirsty. Revelation 21 says that to the thirsty I will give them water from the springs of life, or the water of life. And that's Jesus. Then we have to ask ourselves some hard questions. Like in. Verse 5, why are you downcast, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? This is where I want to say where the value of these questions are that oftentimes we need to talk to ourselves instead of listening to ourselves. That's a comment, I think, that was first popularized by Martin Lloyd-Jones in his book on spiritual depression. And it's been used in lots of other ways by other writers, other commentators, other preachers. But it makes so much sense, as you look at it in the context of this psalm, that there are so many voices in my head. So many voices around me. And so is it maybe not necessary for me to talk to myself more than I listen to myself? And what I'm going to say to myself is something that Luther even popularized when he said, preach the gospel to yourself. And as you know, that's been used in lots of contexts today. Preach the gospel to yourself. So if I'm going to talk to myself, I've got to talk sense to myself. I've got to say some things to myself that matter as I ask these hard questions and know that the Scripture gives me answers to these hard questions. So, as I'm doing that, what I'm doing is beginning to orient myself and orient my hope in the Lord. You see that in verse 5, and you also see that toward uh, the end of the psalm. Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. Catch my salvation. See the same thing back in verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love, and at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. Now, here again is another example of the whiplash. Verse 8. By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. Like, God is commander-in-chief, and he's the general, and he's sending his love to me into my heart. Whether it's memory or metaphors, pouring out my soul, having my thirst quenched, God is at work, and he's commanding his steadfast love to me. And at night, he sings to me, At night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. What do you sing at night? What do you sing? (laughs) I remember over the years, I'm no musician. My wife is a little bit of one, but I'm not one at all. And I'll say something at church or somewhere we're hearing music, and I said, "What? what was that? and she says, Rod, that was a minor key. You hate minor keys. I say, I do. If that's minor key, then I hate that because that just makes me feel bad all over. So I'm not going to sing minor keys to me. Maybe minor keys comfort some people, but I I want a different song. What is your song? Well, remember the Psalms, that's, Sort of the hymn book of the church, and it's so real, sometimes so raw, but so accurate. So we orient our hope in the Lord, and that's an active waiting, waiting for the Lord, an anticipation. Even more of a, of a sanctified imagination. I'm here preaching mostly to an empty room except for some musicians and a few other people. And just imagining who's listening, who's watching, who's hearing. Hundreds of seats here in this sanctuary. and So I understand a little bit about a sanctified imagination right now. But we sort of think about what things could be. I think about the day when this is going to be, everybody's going to be in here again. And it's going to be full. And there's no more pandemic. And we're safe. We're not wearing masks. I mean, that's a sanctified imagination. That's like how things can be again as the Lord is at work. And so that, that's how we orient ourselves through this. That, yeah, you know, you go into a dark room in your house, might be you go up in the attic and there's no windows and it's dark, or you go down in the basement and no windows and it's dark. Okay, you're, you're in a dark place. The reality is it's light outside and there's light out there but right now you're in a dark place. How do you orient yourself in a dark place? You remember what you learned in the light. You remember what you learned in the light. You can be a mile high and you look down and okay, you see your life. You see, you see a pattern of your life. Oh, that's where I live. And that's where I go to church. And oh yeah, over there is where I work. And there's the park, the tennis courts that I like to go to. And and you see like your whole pattern of life because you're a mile high. But you know where you live? You live in that car. You live in those rooms. You live in that office building. And it's there where life really takes place. Not as you're looking at your whole pattern, but you're actually looking at where you are, where you live, your private moments, your interaction with just a few people. That is really really your life. So we orient ourselves. What have you learned in the light? Now let me quickly conclude this with, these few applications. Um, Let me say, first of all in applying this, don't, don't stay in your pessimism, but trust God's interpretation of your situation. It's like in the Psalm here, you see the whiplash, you see the pendulum swing. God is saying, this is how it was. Oh, this is how it is. Oh, this is how it's going to be. That is normal. And God leads us through those great times. And in that light, we learn... And so when we enter a season of darkness, what we have learned in the light is there for our benefit. It's God's interpretation of our situation. We understand that God is with me. His love is steadfast. God commands his love toward me, as the psalmist says. And the Christian life is about change. The Christian life is from point A to point B, from and to. That's how we live. Different situations demand different changes, different moments. What am I going to do in this moment? Repentance is not something I did in 1958 or 1984 or 2015. It is daily. So what am I going to do in this situation? How is God going to orient me in this particular darkness? Isn't it interesting that he sees me as a saint? Because he doesn't see me through my sin. He sees me through his son. When he looks at me, he's looking at me as his son because of what his son, the Lord Jesus, did. He sees me as a saint because I'm resting in the righteousness of Christ. He comforts me in my suffering. He speaks truth to my sin, remember? From time to time, through a day, through a week, we're a saint, we're a sinner, we're a sufferer. And God is present with me in all of that, either to comfort or to speak his truth to my sin. How does he do all of this? He does it through Jesus, because as we read this psalm, we understand that Jesus has been right here, but in a much deeper and more severe way. Jesus has been right here in Psalm 42. But even deeper and more severe. Who was the man of sorrows? Who was the one who was totally forgotten, mocked, rejected, abused? Go through that list. Who was it? It was Jesus. Who said, ultimately, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Who asked that question? Who panted as he was dying and said, I thirst. You see, Jesus has been here, but in a much deeper and severe way. For your sake and my sake. And the reason we can live in Psalm 42 and the reason we can handle the pendulum swing and the whiplash, the reason is because of the work of Jesus and what he did as he said, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What he did when, I, when, he said, when he panted and said, I thirst, that was substitutionary atonement. And that all occurred. So in the midst of Psalm 42, because of Jesus, God will not Forsake us. Let me pray. Father, thank you that this is in the Bible. It's true. It's how we live, where we live. And Father, pray for those who have listened that you will use this in their soul to orient them. That you will encourage them, that you will move them from one point to another, that you will use this in their hearts. And then if there are those who don't know you, that again, you would give them that great thirst for you and then lead them to that living water. And we do pray in Christ's name. Amen.